and dreary headspace. It has been a while since I have put up a podcast. Um, I know the last one was a little bit of an introduction into what I wanted to do and how I was going to do it about living with an eating disorder and being sick and all of that stuff. I never got any really requests or questions, but I never really put the podcast out there to start with. So it was a little bit... I don't really know what word I'm looking for here. Honestly, my brain is not functioning right now. It is rainy and cloudy outside and my brain's all over the place. Um, Again, I have been MIA for a while. I've been at a place um, called Rockville General Hospital in Vernon, Connecticut in their eating disorder unit for the past month. And now I'm in Montana, woohoo, with my father for um, a little bit for Father's Day. And then we're gonna head over to Maryland and see the grandparents and everything and then head home. Um, Today's topic that I really wanna bring about is faith and hope and belief and trust and all that stuff. Because I know people with eating disorders, it's very hard to keep going when you yourself don't have any hope or you don't have any faith or you don't believe in yourself and then you have those around you who aren't believing in you either and when those people around you don't believe in you it's hard to try and believe in yourself I mean uh for example today I was actually having a conversation with my mother and I just got out of the hospital I'm talking like yesterday got out of the hospital and I'm really uncomfortable to be honest I'm at a higher weight I had to buy some new clothing and a I did not try on the clothing (laughs) and I just brought it back to the house and if it fits it fits if not I'll return it great it's from Ross Ross is everywhere um and I am having a really difficult time one the clothes do fit and I did get bigger sizes because I figured oh I'm bigger I know I gained weight um, and I know while I was there that that was their whole intention was to medically stabilize me as well as help me to gain weight and um, let me start with a little bit of back history so before I went into the unit I was actually supposed to go in a week before I intentionally went in and We were on our way to the airport in that morning. I was having a really hard time getting up and um, cognating, I guess, is is what I want to say, with my cognition. I don't even think cognating is a word, but if it is, I just made it one. Um, And even saying goodbye to my mother that morning, I could not walk the eight feet to hug her goodbye. And I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. And I couldn't do it. I'm walking to the car and as I'm walking to the car, I'm nauseous and I'm dizzy and I'm feeling so weak and I can't do anything. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know what's going on. And actually I, I did know what was going on, but I couldn't comprehend what was going on at that time because I was so sick that my brain just could not put two and two together. And so I got in the car with my father and we drove to Starbucks because I had to get something to eat before I was going to walk through an airport and get on a plane and be on a plane to go literally across the country. I live in Phoenix, going all the way to Hartford, Connecticut. And we got to Starbucks and I ordered whatever I was going to get. It was four in the morning 
And immediately I had this huge wave of nausea come over me and I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. Did not tell my father I felt sick or anything. And I went to the bathroom and I just, I sat down. I knew immediately I was either going to vomit or pass out. I didn't know which it was gonna be. And so I sat down, I, I gathered myself, I stood back up slowly and I came back out. I had my little turkey, bacon, non-fat, everything, everything, whatever you can get eating disordered um, breakfast. And we got back in the car, couldn't even eat it, couldn't drink anything, couldn't do it. We are driving to the airport. It doesn't take us long to get to the airport from our house. It's like a 15 minute drive. It's not bad. And we're getting to the parking garage and we're in the parking garage. And I'm like, literally, I was going to vomit. I literally opened the door and I just, I vomited right there. I opened the door. It was my dad was getting the little token thing to go into the garage and I, I couldn't do it. He looks over at me and he goes, nope, you're not going. Turned the car around and we went straight to the emergency room where I kind of stumbled and puked and stumbled and fainted and all that stuff all the way into the emergency room where they did not even triage me. I just went straight on back. I have no memory of most of this. I was just that sick. I had very low potassium levels um, and I was very, very, very dehydrated. And I spent a week in the hospital before they were comfortable sending me home. And it was hard because even in the hospital, I was actively engaging in my eating disorder. So not only was I not eating, I was lying to them, telling them I was eating. Or if they did make me eat, I was getting rid of it, as you might say. Um, I don't want to trigger anybody on here, so I'm not going to try and use those words anymore. Um, I will divert to whatever I can in order to get my point across. And so... I was getting rid of it and I was telling him that they were having a very hard time keeping my potassium levels up because of that. And they even discharged me with low potassium levels because they're like, oh, you're going to another hospital. It's okay. I was out for a day. Next morning, bam, on the plane um, to Hartford, Connecticut. I got to Hartford, Connecticut. I got to the hospital via taxi. I have no memory of being in the emergency room. I was still very, very sick. And I spent a lot of time in the emergency room, I was told, um, like a lot of time. I don't remember why or what the circumstances were. And I know I was not taken directly to the unit. I was actually taken to the ICU for several days before I was even allowed on the unit. And then I went to the unit. And the unit is like a psychiatric unit, pretty much. It's locked ward. You don't get to do anything. Um... I was in a hospital bed, but I was allowed out of my room, and we had some sort of group therapy stuff. It was not real therapy. Does it not count as therapy? I don't count it as therapy. And it's they weren't there to work on our mental state. They were there to medically stabilize us, to release us to the next level of care below, which would be residential. Um, however, my insurance does not cover residential, and they are a pain in the ass about that, so pardon my French, but they made it very difficult, even though we tried and tried and tried to get me into residential, and they still, they do not, they do not want to pay for me for that, they don't believe in me, and that's where the belief comes in, where they don't believe in me, why should I believe in myself, if they don't think I can do it, why should I even try, 
And because they don't believe I can do it, my mother doesn't even believe I can do it. And I had that conversation with her today, actually. I was at Walmart, and I'm walking around, of course, and I'm out of the hospital. And, of course, I am having eating disorder thoughts nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I'm trying really, really hard right now, and I'm following my meal plan the best I can. And my, my meal plan is still a weight restoration meal plan. And I do not want to restore any more weight. I really don't. So I am trying very hard to not follow it, but follow it at the same time. And I know that's very confusing to say. So I am literally finding cheap methods like, oh, I need a veggie or a fruit. Okay, great. We're going to go with celery because I know that there's less calories in celery or something. And I'm definitely using eating disorder tactics. And I'm terrified that I'm going to fall back into my eating disorder to be honest I really am and I have a lot riding on me right now I have my brother's wedding coming up in a few months I have this family reunion coming up in uh, December and if I'm sick I can't go and my grandmother has already paid for my ticket and I do not want to disappoint them I don't want to hurt them I don't want to hurt myself anymore I don't want to do it but my brain is like I feel like that is how it's programmed to work because I I don't remember a time when I was happy or when I ate without having these emotions or feelings or these terrors and these fears. I I don't remember that time. Like I, I remember as a child, I didn't have this issue. I just don't remember how it felt. So I'm sitting here at the table and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, I can't do this. I can't do this. And my brain is thinking, how do I get around this? How do I escape it? And I, I don't want to escape it. I want to be able to eat when I want to eat, what I want to eat, and not care. I want that. But at the same time, I can't have that because that is not how my brain works. And I'm trying so hard. And I call my mother on the phone this morning. I'm shopping around Walmart getting some stuff because I need some more clothing, obviously. And I wanted some cheap clothing that I could use for, like, if I decide to go on a walk or something like that. So I got some leggings and some t-shirts because, obviously, I have no t-shirts. And leggings are a great thing to wear except for all the leggings I have right now I feel horrible in. So I went and gotten some more and I got some pajamas and stuff because I wanted something that I could feel safe in. If that, um, others who have an eating disorder will know what I mean when I say safe. And I'm talking to her and everything and she's like, well, what are you going to do when you come home? Because you can't live with us. What are you going to do? You got to be in a program. You got to be in residential. You got to do something. And she doesn't understand insurance does not pay for that I have nowhere to go and my father's like okay come home come home he accepts me for who I am sick or healthy he does not care about the body I am in he cares about me however my mother cares about the body At least that's how I am taking it. How I am feeling that she is uh, projecting towards me. And I get that I have not provided any evidence for her to trust me. And I don't expect her to trust me. 
But at the same time, she doesn't believe that I'm capable of recovering. And she says she's tried before to believe that I'm capable of recovering. And it's failed, so she doesn't want to do it anymore. She doesn't want to set herself up for failure. And so by not setting herself up for failure, she's not believing in her daughter. And if she doesn't believe in her daughter, why should her daughter believe in herself? Because it's not like she has anyone expecting her to get better. It's, it's not like she has her role model there to help her. It's not like her mother is willing to stand by her side and say, it's going to be okay, we're going to make it through this. I feel as if my mother is standing there and telling me that I am at the end of the line and that she can't be my mother anymore because she just can't do it. And I feel like my mother's giving up on me. And so I no longer have a mom. That is how I feel. It may not be true, but my feelings are true. And this is how I'm feeling. And it's very, very hard to handle. Almost impossible. Almost. I'm doing it, so it's clearly possible. But I am doing it because my father is still by my side. Because he doesn't care as long as I'm trying. My mother stopped trying. And that hurts a lot. It really, really hurts because she was my best friend. I was sick. I was out of school. I was a gymnast and I was very sheltered. I did not have many friends. And the friends I did were friends with my mother. So I was best friends with my own mom because she was the one who was there. She was the one who could run to me and hold me if something was wrong. And I now feel abandoned and rejected because I can't run to her for safety anymore. She isn't safe. And your mom is supposed to be safe. But my mom is not. My mom is a star. She is awesome. But she has these pointed edges that can stab me in the heart. They can stab me all over. And I can never get inside. I can never get to her because she has built up this wall that I I cannot get through. And I miss my mom. I want my mom. I want a mom. 
but I don't feel like I have one. I feel like I have a father. He takes care of me and he helps me and reminds me that I'm important and that I'm worth something. Then I just get this feeling from my mother that I'm not worth anything. That I don't have a purpose anymore because I'm not capable of having a purpose. And again, I reiterate, this is how I feel. This is how I feel she is implying her message to me. I don't know if any of this is true, but to me it's true because it's how I feel. To her, it could be something totally different. I know she loves me. But love is different than faith. Love is different than belief. Love is different than care. And love is different than safety. Love is different than help. I understand that she does not trust me. And I can process that because I wouldn't trust me either. But I would hold hope that someday I could. I would hold hope that maybe she's doing okay right now and I can hold her and not have to think about all these terrible things. That I can hold her and she is my baby girl. That she is mine and that I can keep her safe in my arms as long as I hold her right now. That I can make her feel safe. That I can tell her everything will be okay. And reassure her over and over and over again because it may not get through the first time and it may not get through the hundredth time but maybe the 200th time it'll finally get through that it's going to be okay i would hold on to that hope for her till she can hold it herself And I would just keep telling her over and over and over. Because just like a recording, if you tell it over and over and over again, eventually it's going to get through. It may take years. But if I don't do it, it will never get through. If I stop before it gets through, it will never get through. If I give up, it will never get through. 
I will hold on to that hope and I will believe for her and I will believe in her. That is what I want from my mom. That is what I need, not what I want. That's what I need. We're not talking about just wants and desires in life. That is a necessity in life, is that I need to feel safe. And I do not feel safe when I am around her because I walk on eggshells, trying not to hurt her. And it hurts me. I know I'm hurting myself and that hurts her but I wish she would just tell me and talk to me and be open, and she doesn't. It's like she shuts down. It's like she doesn't want to go there because it hurts so much. But the only way to get through pain is to go through it. You can't go around it. It's like a circle. You can keep going around it, but it's going to go around and around and around and around. You are never going to get through to that thing until you just finally stab it in the middle. It's going to hurt. It's like draining an abscess. Stick the needle right through there. Drain out all that bad stuff so that you can refill it with love. You can build it again from the beginning once you take it all out. Don't let that pain metastasize. Don't let it get worse. Love her for who she is. Don't love her for her body. Love her for her spirit. Believe in her for her spirit. Care about her for her. Not for what she's in. Not for what she's done. Make her feel safe. Just give her what she needs. 